Hey, you, come here. My name's Bob Gordon, and this is Hibernation, a podcast dedicated to finding out how folks are getting on with life in this period of isolation due to COVID-19. From the set of his new talk and variety show, I'm joined by the Tex Perkins of the Australian music industry. Tex Perkins, how the devil are you? Oh, I'm pretty good. I started off COVID by uh, tearing a disc in my lower back, and I uh, it's feeling better now. So, uh, but it, look, it's not about me. It's it's about it's about have you. you. Been, have you been immobile? I was immobile for a good while, and it was not a great time to feel immobile because you do want to feel kind of at least something. If there is a physical best for me, I'd like to feel it. Um, oh, can you hear that dog fight? Well, there's one outside my window right go, now. It's go, and put a, go and put a bet on the, uh, on the red one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think they've stopped. But So when I, I, I'll describe you have this new venture called The Show, which is uh, mm. previewed the Sunday before last. Uh, is, is it every two weeks, every second Sunday? Well, we're, we're not going to commit to a, a, a schedule because, uh, hey, there's no rules anymore. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're making it up as we go along. But uh, it, it, at the moment, yeah, we, it, the last one was two weeks ago, and the next one will go uh, uh, on, yeah, on Sunday. So at the moment, it, uh, it is fortnightly, but that will, we we can't maintain that pace. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it could it could drop just you know, you know there won't be a, a, a strict schedule, but it'll be at least one a month. Yeah, and. Uh, so you could call it a special, like they always say, a special. This, I mean, this is, like everybody in the music industry, when it all came down, <laughs> and, we all, and we all just, for a couple of days, we all just went, what are we going to do now? Mm. And, then, and instantly sort of online, the, you know, what everyone would inst- you know, instantly turn to. And um, I live on... A property, and, I'm, and over the years, over the twenty-two years we've been here, we've my partner Christina is a is a creative genius uh, in the in the recycling of just about everything. Um, all the buildings on our property, we have various buildings here and there, and they're all made from they're all repurposed or they're recycled material or complete whole buildings that have been put on trucks <laughs> cut in half and moved here she's um she's incredible and so um one of the buildings that we um constructed a couple of years ago was the great hall that's where we sort of decided we would make a rehearsal space for me and various other musicians that lived uh, in in our nearby community, and there was a sort of everything, all the buildings that, you know, that are here are sort of also partnerships that Christina has made with various people, and this one was a partnership with uh, a fellow called Pete Critchley, who used to work on the Big Day Out. Oh, yeah. He's a lighting, he's a lighting guy, and he's and, and basically he put a PA in here and a projector and a lights and. And it was all just sort of our, it was kind of our party space where we would sort of have you know, social gatherings and, um, and yeah, we could have a rehearsal. And when the, uh, when the 
quarantine started and you know our industry was stopped and, and everyone started to go online we've realized that we've got we've got the, you know the, a really good space to actually um do something like that we immediately more just to uh, in the beginning it was just an a, um, an instinctive and compulsive sort of thing to do we just all gathered together because there's various people that live in various dwellings on our property and they're all creative people and I mean there's uh, there's Pete here that uh, inhabits this, this space we've got a we've got Tom who's a, uh, a builder and he's also a cameraman he used to film our whitewater rafting videos so um, so he had he had equipment we've got a guy from a Brazilian guy named Richard who has got cameras and he's got an editing suite. We allowed him to build a, uh, his home on our property and he has his little family there. And so all the all the infrastructure and all the equipment was within our grasp. And so we almost felt an obligation to create something and do something. And when we started, we didn't really know what we would do with it. It was, as I say, I think it was just more of uh, an instinct to not feel so helpless and, and stay connected and, and active and creative. And so we kind of rehearsed being a film crew for, for a, a few weeks and, um, and then we got confident enough to put one, edit one together and, and show it. And that was the, uh, the show that we showed last week and, and we've... We've, we've got another one. We've, we're in the middle of um, editing and preparing the second one, which, uh, look, uh, it's, 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 it's been an absolute joy to, um, you know, it, it, it's, been, it's been fueled by desperation. Yeah. But, but it's actually been a real joy to see everyone kind of um, transform and sort of, and uh, their, um, People are sort of just, um, they've got cameras you know, and, you know, and, and they've got skills in, in the arts, but sort of now now it's become their sort of main game. You know, sort of people's second option has now become sort of all we've got. So, so yeah, we've, we've sort of bandied together. I bring all the music together and um, invite the guests. And um, I have a small group of um, people that live on the property who um, film it and edited and uh, Christina is basically it's, it basically, basically the whole thing is a Christina production Christina the Astonishing as an old mate would say <laughs> yeah my old mate my old mate once said yes yeah she, um, she is the, she is the uh, not the original Christina Astonishing but uh, she's the best yeah I was going to say in, in an era through this of, of, of people putting stuff out there and a lot of modest production values, this very podcast included. The production values, I saw the first episode, they are very high, and, and I guess I understand now, given the the uh, community you have around you to do it, yeah. including the lone clapper. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, that was, uh, that's Stewie. Long, you know, I've, I've, he's been our neighbour uh, for, for all the time that we've lived here. Um, well, I mean, we live in a very isolated, we live in a valley, very far from, you know, sort of, we're, we're kind of naturally sort of, <laughs> you know, self-isolated. I mean, life didn't really sort of 
completely change for us because you know, we're in the country and we feel I mean we feel very very lucky oh well I personally do you know, that, that I could you know walk around I, I, I couldn't imagine how people have gone through the thick of this not being able to leave their apartment you know, yeah. for long periods of time so um, so I felt, felt very fortunate to um, still be being able to wander around naked uh, <laughs> on my deck and uh, and uh, yeah. your and deck get the... <laughs> that's as far as I go okay. with my nudity <laughs> but, uh, but yeah just to get that, to walk outside and you know still sort of have a relatively um, familiar lifestyle yeah well I used the term at the start well uh Partly uh, talk and variety show. Do you like? Do you feel the? I always kind of feel you know Graham, Kennedy, yeah. Bert Newton. There's a you. You're of a vintage that would uh, remember those black and white days. Oh, absolutely. And the show when we first started experimenting with shooting the show, <laughs> uh, with the show shoots. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did. I did sort of experiment with sort of it being sort of yeah a variety show like um i mean there's you know i've got they've got they've got the hormones of a variety show like where i've got an opening number don lane used to do that and then and then he would sort of uh you know talk to the audience and then um but then there would be a series of interviews and um actually i we had we set up it is very similar to sort of something like Parkinson or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I did a few interviews like that, and, uh, and I realised how uh, how hard it is to do that. So, um, so we found that it's, it's best that I talk to the guest musicians in a musical context where uh, where we're, we're about to play a song and we talk about the song, rather than sort of me doing the sort of separate you know, in-depth interviews. <laughs> yeah. Well, the first episode, um, yourself uh, speaking with your longtime colleague and co-writer and friend Murray Patterson, that must have been nice after knowing someone for so long and done a lot of work together to just kind of like share something like that in a, in a different kind of forum and, 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 you know, talk about him and what he's doing yeah. and stuff or Headland and that. Yeah. Oh, I was really, really happy to be able to also just – Spread a bit of the word about um, uh, Headland, and because it's uh, really a really great project that um, he's he's grown over the over the last few years, um, kind of <laughs> contemplative. Oh yes, yeah, it's a new <laughs> word <laughs> or a new set of words. <laughs> My favourite word, contemplative, mm. contemplative, contemplative, con- con- contemplative. Ah, oh, you've learnt nothing. That's great. <laughs> it never it never sounds right coming out of my mouth. But yes, um, yeah, it was great to have him on, um, and it was kind of perfect situation for them because we have a protector here, and that's what the that's what their gig usually is. Um, is they play in front front of a, a projection of surf footage, and um, that's the setup we have here. So, okay. Uh, is that why when they were playing, he suddenly mysteriously transitioned from um, pants to shorts? 
Murray. Murray. Did he? I'm sure every time they played, uh, he was sitting <laughs> talking to you in pants, and when they played in front of the screen, he was in shorts. <laughs> Okay, well, that's also very important. You know. <laughs> well, look, yeah, look if you need someone for continuity, I, I, I can do that in isolation. <laughs> well, see, see, that's the other thing about the show is it's not like we're not silly enough to try that. I mean, we've seen how long have we been in this thing now, like three or four months, and people, people are still trying to go live and this fucks up. <laughs> It does, it does. It's never smooth, and um, I don't know. We also just wanted to sort of step past the aesthetic, the, the prevailing aesthetic of people singing into iPhones. And, <laughs> you know, like, Having said that, you're, you're, being, uh, you're speaking into one right now, although it is <laughs> being recorded into a computer. I've never been comfortable with the... I've never been caught... I never, I've never answered a, um, what do you call them, when the, you know, when you uh, look at them as well? Oh, FaceTime, yeah. FaceTime, I've never answered a FaceTime call. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah. so, yeah, well, now, now, now that we've moved into this sort of situation where sort of the aesthetic was, uh, oh, you do your music, you know, in front of a, a phone and you do these gigs and, I don't know. I guess, in, I guess because we had this infrastructure and all this sort of the this, this situation, as I said, I think, I think we felt responsibility to sort of push this path that, you know, give something a little bit uh, easier on the eye. Hmm. Yeah. And so who's up for this coming Sunday? Can you, can you say? Yes. A fellow called Jez Mead. He's a musician that I've known for a long time. Very good friend. Very good friend of James. Actually, he um, was very close to, uh, to James, and, uh, and uh, actually um, nursed him to his, um, uh, through his exit. You know, he was um, he was there with you know, James you know, through his final months. Okay. And Jez uh, is this is one of the musicians that I've ever uh, ever experienced, and I rate him alongside uh, the best. I mean, I. I I have listened to my music on random shuffle, and, you know, Nina Simone, Bob Dylan, you know, Leonard Cohen, and then Brazil pop up, and it's, I don't know, seriously rate, rate him you know, that highly, he's, uh, his music doesn't seem, seem to me, I don't appreciate it just because uh, he's a mate, or, you know, I think he really is a truly great musician and, uh, and a wonderful songwriter, and, and and I'm actually really happy that, that I've got the opportunity to, like like Murray's Headland, um, spread the word and um, give a platform to um, these these talents that, uh, that I've known that that um, the wider community knows so much. Yeah. Well, that's that's great. But for God's sake, tell them to wear some pants. Just decide on your pants. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
so the, like the the show has been something you've been working on in this sort of lockdown period and you mentioned that like walking through your property or your estate if you will well no, no it's just very much it's very much a yeah a, a, a property, a property. You, I mean, but it, it's almost a, it's almost a small community you know, yeah. with, uh, but, um, but also you're a um you know, a performer, you like performing, we can tell, and you're a very social beast, pun intended and non-intended. Um, what, what's that sort of been like? Because uh, in my mind, that's sort of been you, the, the balance of, the, of, a very, of a very much a home life and balanced with the, the constant gigging kind of thing. Um, well, I've, I've set a beautiful balance with my life for a long time where I spend a lot of time at home. Like when I'm at home, I'll be home for no interruptions, you know, like three, four to five weeks. And then I might be away for a few weekends in a row, you know, and then, so I have a, I have a beautiful sort of balance of, you know, I, I'm home a lot. And, but like, so when I get to travel away, it's, it's, it's just like, it, it, it provides me with that, um, an, an opportunity to miss my home, and I uh, and I come back to it. But yeah, now that that stopped, um, yeah, it was. Um, look, as, as as I say, I I find it hard to spend much time complaining and uh, you know about what I've felt and gone through over the last you know four or five months, because I'm sure it's been far worse for so many more people than than we. I, I find I think we've been very lucky. Yeah, but um. Even even though I with a sense of gratitude and and, and the grass under my feet and uh, you know there's been some very dark moments where just uh, I guess just a sense of I guess for a while there you know, I, I guess we've got the, an optimistic feel going out because we seem to be emerging from a, a stage but. That's the thing. I think during anyway, but during this time, it's just really important to be busy somehow. You know, as I said, like you know, I, I've never ever had back problems in my life, but I fucking tore this disc in my back, and like while while things were at their like unknownness and scariest, I felt like I was a hundred years old, and I was I just want, I don't want to feel like I'm a hundred years old while this is going on. But I, I kind of like I, I I tried to find things to do, and um, I think. So were to, you in bed for weeks, or were you in traction? <laughs> not not quite that bad, but it would take me about two minutes steadying myself to get off a couch or a bed, and yeah. um, you, you know, you you just feel, oh, you just feel too old. But I thought, okay, so what can I do on my back? <laughs> um, you know, maybe yeah, a podcast. I don't know. You know, yes. um, well, you know what. I will not be win. I will not make another whinging sound during the rest of this interview. <laughs> I feel feel so sorry. That sounds terrible. Back well, injuries are the worst. Yeah, yeah. I've been lucky not to have to worry about that ever. And 
I know people go through it every day, you know, but um, so, and also it was just a really weird time to not feel 100% yourself. And, um, but the, the thing was, you know, and obviously people lost gigs and, and that affected my uh, thing. I lost a lot of work and working out what to do. But the whole thing was, you know, I think, to be occupied Beyond, beyond this, the constant mindset of remain in isolation and oh, here exactly. are the restrictions. Like it's really important to have a project or something. Yeah, something just to, to take you away from this constant onslaught of monotony of information also that, that was <laughs> the norm for a, for a while back there where you know, there was absolutely nothing else to talk about <laughs> oh, no. or, or, or to see or, or the, the, on, so all over the radio it's all over the internet all over the TV so you really had to you know like detach from that and actually actually everyone started talking about um, watching more Netflix and you know those, you know, those streaming you know binging and you know and that seemed to be yeah yeah exactly that's how you that's, that, that's a good option but I but I didn't really I mean, I, I, I watched my usuals, whatever, Ricky Gervais's Afterlife, mm. and uh, the new Rick and Morty's. Hey, it's too Ricky, too Rick. Too Ricky. Maybe I should uh, have a look at some Rickless television. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but, um, but I mainly kind of really got stuck into my home studio and just created my own mental space and created a lot of music that was almost sort of meditative, meditative you know, and featureless and sort of, sort of uh, very calming and, and almost sort of a soundtrack kind of music that sort of, uh, I guess it expressed something that I was feeling, but it also, you know, took me away from uh, the situation or maybe perhaps gave me some context, you know, or, or, or it was almost a compulsive need to create each day and get down there, open up my computer, turn the, you know, the speakers on and just, you know, make, make sound and, you know, and just immerse myself in mixing these sounds and, yeah. You know, just, uh, just be. And, and coupled, coupled with homeschooling. <laughs> okay. I mean, uh, the, how, how, you, you're, you're way past homeschooling, aren't you? It's not, it's not an issue. Well, I was way you. before homeschooling, man. Um, <laughs> uh, no, my, my, mine are, uh, I'd have to be at university level to teach mine. <laughs> and I, I was barely there when I was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah I was, before, before the, um, the schools got it together and uh, set a sort of at-home curriculum, you know, and a, a required sort of amount of work to do. You know, I would just sort of conduct my own classes with, with my six-year-old. We'd read a book together, and uh, my nine-year-old uh, you know, his level, and my sixteen-year-old, we would we would do sort of basic math and uh, and discuss Shakespeare. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, which I, I've, I've found found really interesting, you know, because uh, this is all sort of you know, basic math. <laughs> yeah, I, I, could, I could use, I could use the, um, you know, the practice anyway. 
Well, well, this is the thing. There seems to be maybe previously unthought gifts that may arise from all this. You know, this strange time that we've had that's very difficult, but um, maybe there are unexpected kind of benefits that, that oh, come from it. absolutely, we are. We're all adapting in, in, in various ways. And on a human, human level, on a personal human level, human personal development level, I think there's a lot of opportunity for growth and you know, honing skills and, and, and adapting mm. to it's funny. Yeah, because it because it's funny. The last year, kind of like the the upcoming notion of twenty twenty, sounded so. I don't know something so uh, so much promise in it, so much <laughs> so much looking forth while while noting what had come before and and all this, and then when it, it slapped down, it's been like really quite a shit show. Um, as opposed to yeah. your show. Um, <laughs> well, that was an option of, of an own. Right. <laughs> now, um, on, on a more kind of uh, happier sentimental note, on, on the first episode of the show with Murray, you played Whenever It Snows, yeah. and which is a beautiful song. And personally, it reminds me of when you, yourself and Tim Rogers, um, played with a WA Symphony oh, Orchestra, yeah. uh, a.k.a. Wasso, in King's Park, and that was like 2006. And um, that was um, that was a unusual... They'd done contemporary concerts before, but with kind of polite pop stars or kind of classically trained pianists like Ben Folds. But that was a, um, that was a bit of a stretch for them because you, you having a couple of outlaws like TNT along for the ride. That was... Um, it was um really I, I I look back on that very fondly with my um little uh, part of it uh it, it was a good two shows they were good times. Thanks, Bob. Um, that's well, I remember that fondly for many reasons. But uh, that's when we got to really know each other, you know, uh, to the level that uh, that that we that we enjoy today. Indeed, you know, yeah. Way. I mean, we done interviews over the phone for many years beforehand but that, that for that time you, you were you were the sort of you were the artist liaison weren't you for the for the Wasso um, yeah I'd, I'd, I'd done some work there and they um, noted my more contemporary uh, tastes post 1800 and um, <laughs> and and they, they put to me some you know have you got any ideas about you know things and um, and, and, I, and I did and then that came together which well, I was like I couldn't believe, uh, and it was great. But I, I remember they, you know, they, you know, yeah. you had them shake you, you, you guys in your Cuban heeled boots or whatever had had them shaking in theirs a little bit. No, no, we were we were scared shitless <laughs> of them. Like the orchestra scared us more than the least of the orchestra. You know, they, they were they were like. Oh, like seven, seventy sort of, you know, like androids, you know, <laughs> you know, like they were, they were, they were, they were a different type of musician that we're they're used to. Like they're they're a, they're a freaking machine. Yeah, you know, they, they they they're they're machine like in 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 every way. You know, and it's, we're we're a couple of sort of you know loose cannons. So uh, we bowed to their way. We didn't we we didn't. We, they didn't bend to ours, you know. They, 
<laughs> we was um, we was good and cooperative as we possibly could be. Total respect for the, for the Wasa. Yeah, although they did set up a bar to the side of the stage, which I uh, I don't <laughs> think happens a lot with symphony orchestras. <laughs> which was a terrible idea. <laughs> is, is that the thing? Is that the thing that? tripped over when I was carrying Tim. Yes, and you and you came right off the stage, which is another thing that doesn't happen normally with the the principals in an orchestral performance. <laughs> yeah, well that's that's yeah, that's that's what you wanted. That's right. That's what I was counting on. The only 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 thing that uh, I didn't get to hear was you and and the WA Symphony Orchestra playing Chase the Dragon. That was the yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty close. That was, yeah, that was good enough. Yeah, yeah. I'd, and, I'd, yeah, love to do something like that again. Yeah, and and you yourself and and, and Tim Rogers are a, a great pair, great couple of outlaws in the in the best way. You know, you did the TNT album, did a, a, a tour and everything like that. And I always kind of thought that these old Bob Hope and Bing Crosby on the road movies that the, that you guys could have done one. Well, why not several of those? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, well, well, yeah. When we did the Wasso, um, uh, it was um, Tim and I. The height of uh, Tim and I's um, bromance. We we crammed a lot into the first you know, year of our. I mean, we'd known each other for a long time before then, but that was sort of the beginning of our. Our bromance uh, and uh, and uh, the, the, the love that it's, uh, well, it was amazing because I'm, I'm, I kind of remember you saying at the time that you did that. Actually, the album came after I think the the tour, but you were kind of yeah. like there were no kind of there's no grandeur about what you were going to do. You were just going to be sitting on stools with a guitar in each of your hands, and then that led to be suddenly accompanied by a seventy six piece orchestra. <laughs> Even before, even before we had an album, so uh, we we basically just threw all our contacts, you know, mine in Europe, he's in America, and um, did a kind of a world tour um, <laughs> for no good reason. <laughs> and and the um and and you know there was actually there was a lot of I think people thought it was it was maybe the album was thrown together, maybe some of it was, but there's some really beautiful songs on it. But there was also Kisses, Come On and Love Me, and the uh, other one, Cunnilingus. Yes. Yes, indeed. Would you like to discuss those songs? Well, um, well, Come On and Love Me was... Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. I remember, basically, I remember saying to Tim, let's do Come On and Love Me by Kiss, but let's do a, like a Leonard Cohen song. Yeah, yeah. That's, all I, that's all I said to him. That's all I said to him, and he started playing the sort of finger picking version, and I, <laughs> and I did this sort of sort of crooning kind of uh, you know somber crooning version of this rather frivolous. <laughs> and and then and, from, the, from the wonderful third album, Dressed to Kill. Yeah, and then the um the the song <laughs> I was about to say the title track, not at all. Um. <laughs> Cunnilingus was quite medieval, <laughs> or from the Shrek soundtrack. I don't know. <laughs> well, yes, it was. 
Uh, it was influenced by a few things. Uh, it was, uh, it, I think it was, uh, I think it was uh, slightly influenced by um, any, well, actually any ep- epic sort of ballad songs. Uh, and, uh, and the Donovan's um, Atlantis was heavy, it was heavily influenced by, but also um, um, was also heavily influenced by um, Tenacious D's, um, what's that song? Tribute. Tribute, yes. And, and then, ironically, you you ended up uh, doing a support slot for yeah, indeed, right to a whole lot of people who who couldn't adjust their sense of humour, maybe uh, at forty five degrees for what you were doing. Well, we we basically just you know we we just wanted to be on that tour because yeah. we were big, uh, <laughs> fans of the uh, of of the. Uh, of, of the work and the art, yeah. It was, yeah. Like, it was an opportunity. The album that was released, not as the Beast of Bourbon, but as um, the Beast uh, Still Here, which was, I remember you saying, recorded in the kind of days after, because you're all in the same town, um, after Brian's yeah. funeral and stuff. And um, and that sounded very, I know the word cathartic, Overused, but like it also is a, a, a word that is uh, worthy of, of, of experience. Um, but they're also then to to take those songs out when you toured last year and, and play them. That, that that's a different thing, also. Look, um, it started out as Brian was dying, and in the rock and roll community, when there's a problem, we do we do we put on a benefit. And we try and bring people together. We try and raise some money and help out. And it gives us an opportunity to help out, but also pay tribute to. It's usually a, a, an ill or uh, or dying comrade and uh, your fellow musician. Brian was determined. He was he had cancer, but he was determined to play at his own benefit, and um, that was his focus. And uh, the beasts played one last. The beasts of Bourbon played one last time at Brian's uh, own fundraiser. Um, yeah. And it was an incredible thing to witness, and it was, it was one of the, it was easily the most emotional and um, moving and inspiring musical evening and, and gathering that I've. A lot of people have been involved with, and after the after that night, it seemed like, oh fuck! Well, anything's possible now. Let's let's get us let's get let's get Brian and, and Spencer into the studio one last time, and yeah, let's do that. And Brian was uh, yeah, to the end, yeah. but then Brian died one week later after his benefit, and then a week after that. We all gathered in Melbourne for his funeral, mm. and and basically there was a plan. The day after Brian's funeral, all beasts available beasts, all all you know, still standing, including including both drummers. I mean, whatever, as we were expecting, you know, James Baker, Tony Polar, both of from Perth. Um, uh, with Boris, Kim, um, Charlie, 
next day it was it was Tony Polo on drums, Boris Sudovic on bass, and they'd never played together as a. They'd been in the booth suburban, but they'd never been in the band at the same time. So it was this brand new version of the rhythm section, and, mm. and then we had the situation of Charlie Owen and, and Kim Sam being in the band at the same time with that, and basically. Charlie had joined the band to replace Kim. So that was an incredible sort of new dynamic. And um, but it was all really about capturing Spencer. I'm um, trying, trying to get him... Trying to, uh, I'm a really big one for la- final statements from artists. You know, when having, having the opportunity to make a final statement uh, on, on their exit. And um, I was determined to give Jonesy that chance when he offered up the song uh, at the hospital, to set the, it set the tone for the rest of the the album. And thought, okay, this is a concept album. We needed to be needed to deal with what was going on for everybody under the loss of Brian and the soon departure, the coming departure of Spencer. Um, it was um, yeah, the songs dealing with those two things, but also. It was uh, um, the writing kind of was uh, autobiographical about the entire band, about the um, about the reputation of the band, the mythology of the band, and the human cost of living within that mythology. It was it came together very quickly, and uh, it was and it was a, a really expensive. Apart from the, the, uh, the we, we tried to stay away from the, you know, the, the sadness, and we, we, we was, it was it was it was um, it was a, a last chance to spend sort of time with Spencer in, in the studio, and um, yeah, I mean, he, we were probably would have been happy to walk away without an album. Just the fact that we would have spent that time was really the the reason we were doing it. But um, but it was also this writing new version of the band that um, was really interesting to the involved and um, and also um, Boris and Kim are they are they're, they're my they're my oldest friends in in the uh, oldest living friends in the in the music industry. Um, wow, I've known, known them since yeah Sydney '82, so I just moved over from Perth. And, uh, so it was great to play music with them again yeah. after such a long time. I remember talking with you not long after it came out, and that uh, one thing that struck me upon hearing it was the amount of humour in in the album, and um, and then also subsequently seeing you play later in the year that, that there's a certain um, I don't know a certain levity, I guess is the word. Uh, to the performances, like it, you know, it, uh, literally, I guess it is a different beast. Certain levity. Um, I don't know, well, um, um, I think there was a combination of sort of. I, I think we, I think we really wanted to be able to enjoy it as well, because because uh, from a, a, a you know, once you've once you've gone through sort of losing so many friends in a row. In a very short space of time, you realise shit. Okay, 
short. And uh, I know I think everybody just sort of left whatever bullshit they'd been carrying, you know, with them about whatever happened, you know, you know to whoever and whatever combination of personalities might have clashed in the past. That was all left behind, and I think we all were determined to really just uh, save it every second of it. And um, and I really loved that you know, that time um, being with those guys, and because yeah, I mean that's even that's history. You know, and that, um, we don't no idea whether that will even happen again even in any form. So um, yeah, you gotta. You gotta, um, you gotta, you gotta drink deeply from the cup uh, of life every every chance you get. Again, that's kind of uh, when you, when you say that they're not certain if there's a uh, a future. Um, it's kind of like that for the beast suburban through the years, sort of thing, wasn't it? There was, uh, you know, oh, sort of different reasons, different. Some different people in different stages of their life, but um, it seemed it wasn't yeah. going to come back, and it did. And uh, yeah, I guess that, that that's a a continuum or something. I, I, I suppose with with the previous history that that it mightn't come back. Well, well, I think yeah, we're all the yeah. I mean, there was plenty. There was plenty of times where we uh, in the history of the beast of bourbon that we walked away and said, never again. <laughs> and we all agreed, yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know, thank you, good night. You know, to each other, you know, like the, they'll do. You know, walk away from an eight-week European tour, you know, never wanting to look at each other. <laughs> I, I, I recall, actually, probably. after the Little Animals album. Oh, uh, it was probably the worst period. But there were plenty of, plenty of times before then. Yeah, but just with that one, with that one, I, I remember when that was over, and I said, "Oh, that's the end of an era." And you said, "It's the end of an era." <laughs> Indeed. And yes, then, but yeah, we we went back to make more errors. Yeah. It's a. Uh, uh, I think. I think the the um, still here album is a. Is a if, if that's it, that, that, I think that was a good way to, to end it. And, and the tool that happened after it was a good way to share the um, the grieving period with, with the audience and, um, and and pay tribute to those guys. It was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a strange sort of situation because, you know, we were very much, you know, it was all about uh, mourning the loss of Brian and Spencer. But it was also, you know, as I said, we were sort of cherishing this new kind of version of the band and really enjoying it and um, it was an ending tip of the hat to the past but it was also very much a, a new beginning but um, mm. who, knows, who knows whether you know I mean this, musically we'd love to play, sort of play together again but um, I think um, without the context of um, tributing Brian Spencer um, yeah I think yeah, it, it seemed to be part of, you know, it, it, taken out of that context, it's, yeah, I think we would have to sort of reinvent the band once again, you know, sort of, yeah, outside the connection, you know, to the loss of the, 
God's cause, you know what I mean? So like, just yeah, yeah. You know, it might be interesting, to, you know, and it's an unknown whether whether kind of we should or whether we feel like it or what what sort of music and what sort of um, things we would express in that new version of Van, you know, post concept album of tribute to Spencer and Brian. There's just something else I want to ask you about. Um, another group of mannish boys being the cruel sea but specifically about when did the uh, national tour support for the rolling stones yeah. <laughs> um and just what that was like i i, I recall actually because the three was three-legged dog had just come out and I'm, i did a phone interview phone interview with you and asked you about it and you said they're really good when they're sound checking but the moment they uh, start playing the sh- actual show, it's just the usual Rolling Stones bullshit. <laughs> yeah, well, and but I remember well, at the time thinking, "Wow, that's a pretty, that's pretty well, forthright to say in an interview whilst you're on tour with them." <laughs> it's a printed while they're on tour in I town. Was, I was, yes, I was, uh, <laughs> I was pretty. Um, oh yeah, exactly. That, that's. <laughs> I think if I was to be accused of being rude and arrogant. Um, it was probably right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was true. Um, I wasn't that impressed with the live show because it's very much all about the stage and the lights and the and this huge thing that they're performing on and screens and you know and yeah you know, and they're performing to hundred thousand people. So so all that. They're not playing with any subtlety or sort of nuance. They're, they're just sort of whacking into it and making it as big and obvious as possible. But sound checks were, um, like they would play songs that weren't in the usual set. Yeah, they would play you know, obscure songs. Yeah, you know, from you know, Exile. And I think I did, I got the blues one sound check, yeah, which, which never got into. It's off sticky fingers, but um, mm. things like that where they would just play for themselves, yeah. And uh, and they're all relaxed, there was no sort of jumping around, you know, the Jagger wasn't running, you know, 300 meters, you know, while singing, and they were just playing as a, as a group of musicians, and it was really fucking wonderful. Um, sorry, my apologies to the Rolling Stones, too putting it like that but it really was a huge contrast to see the sound checks yeah yeah uh, yeah free of the, the whiz bang shebang of the of, of the show and wasn't I heard this story about um a Paul game with Keith Richards um no watching a, a, a game of whatever they were playing they had a Ronnie and Keith have a ritual. Well, they they insist on a twelve foot billiard table backstage <laughs> at every gig, uh, which uh, was always there. You know, a different one in each city, I, I imagine. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, I remember wandering over and watching them play, and quickly realising how terrible Keith was, and. Um, and then I felt really uncomfortable about uh, standing there watching him playing so badly. <laughs> and I think, and I think he was uh, thinking, 
through. And it was, it was raining all off, and there was no cover on the stage. You know, there's no roof on the stage. And I just said, well, so what happens when it, when it rains? <laughs> <laughs> Asking, uh, yeah, opening myself up with, with the dumbest question. <laughs> and Keith looks up from his shot and says, you get wet. I think Keith must have read that interview. <laughs> Which interview? The one where you said they were doing their usual Rolling Stones bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, actually, I was very cheeky. Actually, uh, one night uh, after we finished, I said, look, ladies and gentlemen, next on stage, the Beatles. <laughs> Did they? And, uh, they got back to you about that? Oh, no, no. no, 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 no. I, <laughs> I said it on stage in front of 100,000 people. So. <laughs> <laughs> Surely then. Anyway. Oh, they were all nice enough. Yeah, yeah. I think they may have uh, taken a few notes from you. That, that last tour, they seemed to... Um, well, Mick Jagger was running 300 metres all the time, but they... Uh, and they brought out Mick Taylor and they, uh, I think they embraced, they changed the set list around a bit more now and, uh, well, then, uh, what was that, 2014 or whatever, but, uh, yeah, um, here you oh, go. Maybe, 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 yes, maybe they did read our interview, Bob, and, uh, because they, I believe they, after Voodoo Lounge, I think they released Stripped, which was a, like a, a live album done at a small venue. That's right. Mm. And, uh, it had so, like a Rolling Stone on it. Who would have thought? Yeah, James probably said, this, this Perkins wankers have any goaters. <laughs> fucking show him. <laughs> they gotcha. They gotcha. Um, so just look at, looking forward, it's a strange year still to be, to forthcoming. Um, uh, do, do you have any like with restrictions lifted? Like any like small shows? Can you plan them or? Um, I've still got a message from my uh, agent, uh, premier artist Frank Stavala, mm-hmm. and he uh, he said it's looking like October that small venues will. I mean, small, probably under a hundred. Um, but yeah, you know, who knows what that'll look like? You know, whether they'll be small venues, you'll you'll be allowed twenty people. I don't, I don't. Who knows what it'll look like? But yeah, he's informed me that October is probably the earliest that um, anything as far as gigs will take place. You know? Yeah, small ones at first. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand any of their rules. No, I don't seem to make any sense. 
Now, look, if you maybe don't mind playing in shopping centres, you, you, you can play to as many people as you want. So the uh, the setup is that it comes out when when you want, but primarily it will be a Sunday. So this Sunday, and that's about at, at six p.m. Eastern that's Standard right. Time. Exactly. The old uh, the old countdown time slot. <laughs> it's a big pair of shoes there, and then <laughs> I'm almost as inarticulate as uh, Meldrum was in his heyday. <laughs> You're working on it. I'm working, yeah. If I can be, if I can arm and arm and um, talk in circles as we, well as he did, then um, I think we've got a show. Yeah, well, you just <laughs> need to be out on the piss all night the night before with Dragon and Skyhooks. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah. yeah that, that, should be, that should be no problem at all. <laughs> okay. Um, so, um, and this is the bit where I say the sign-off, which is, um, so... Um, what is it again? <laughs> so, um, so thanks, Tex. Um, no, that's not what I say. Wait a minute. Uh, you could say that. I could, yeah. I'd go with <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, I say, um, well, thank you, Tex Perkins, for hibernating with me on hibernation. Thanks, Bob. You, you've, I must admit, it's been absolutely nourishing to my soul to speak to you. Uh, I mean, it's... Uh, every time I speak to someone, I'm, I don't know. It's only been we've only been through this thing for the last four months, but um, every time I speak to someone that I haven't spoken to for a while, it's it's like, oh, how are you doing? <laughs> and uh, so, thank you. It's, it's been an, it's it's been great to, uh, to hear your voice again, Bob. Thank you for joining me on Hibernation. Until the next time, look after each other. We're worth it. Bye.